welcome to Wilco's Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Today, it's an exciting one. I'm talking about two big areas, people that are self-employed. How do they go combating through the landmine of how a bank looks at them when making a application to a bank? Plus also people are looking buying investment properties. I was joined by Mick Butler, Ruth Stewart, two of the partners with the business, very experienced brokers. You want to get in touch with them, jump onto swbrokerage.com, look up Ruth Stewart, look up Mick Butler. You can contact myself, would love to speak to you. Okay, I'm blessed to be joined by two partners of the business, Ruthless Ruth Stewart and (laughs) Mick Bulldozing Butler. Look, I'm very fortunate, as I've just mentioned, to have these guys as business partners, but also the wealth of experience that Mick and Ruth have. I get to see day-to-day what they do. And today's podcast, we're going to cover a bit about self-employed because that's a very good niche, I believe, for you guys because, you know, the high-end stuff that you do. Investors, and we'll talk a little bit about refinancing. The the people that are self-employed out there, it can be a bit of a landmine for them. So welcome, Mick. Thank you, Barry. Welcome, Ruth. So let's kick off self-employed. We've been around the industry combined, you know, probably nearly 50, 60 years between between us as a mortgage broker between yourself, Mick, Ruth and myself. Self-employed is always one of the topics of conversation, bringing stuff to the people that are applying for a loan that aren't aware of it. So Mick, I might start with yourself if that's okay, mate. Yeah, mate. What are the common traits you see people that are self-employed? That, that they come unstuck when they're applying to a bank or a lender when applying for finance? Probably the number one thing that comes to mind is that their accountant does too good of a job. Yep. <laughs> is around, you know, obviously accountants are very driven towards the tax position as are the self-employed people themselves, which is good and fine, but it's no good when you want to borrow money. Yep. So that's probably the biggest thing that I see and that I hear is, is always with the self-employed people that, they're always, you know, oh yeah, these are the financials, but mm. <laughs> okay. Well, the bank, the banks don't care about the but. The but doesn't come into it. So, I think get your loan first, and then let your accountant be brewing after that. It's kind of like what we do see is people they want to deplete the, not pay as much tax as possible, right? It's a double-edged sword. But when you come to applying for a loan. The banks need that as much as possible. That's where a lot of people come that's, unstuck. That, well, that's where the majority. Yeah. If, if a loan is to come unstuck, so yeah, don't don't kind of make them. You know, don't want to put it out there that it's that it's too hard for self-employed people because I I do a truckload of loans for self-employed people and they can all afford it. But if we're talking about the part where self-employed people potentially come undone, that is the most common one. <laughs> is that yeah, it's all about minimising the tax, but. To do that, bring in more expenses, for an example. <laughs> Traditional mum and dad small business and, you know, you write off the the, the second car mm. as part of a business expense. Mm. Well, that's great from tax. But again, it's no good when you want to borrow money. So that's that's where people generally come unstuck anyway. And, and Ruth, I'll bring you into this one as well. What would be your recommendation to people that are self-employed when preparing for a finance application to a bank? with what we've just spoken about? Well, yeah, it's it's two-pronged because you need to talk to your broker first and your broker then works with the accountant Mm. together. But yes, making sure that the accountant is aware that you are on a journey to achieve a finance position with a bank. So therefore, you need to have all the income declared. Don't reduce your income to the point where you're virtually paying no tax because that's the income. If you're at a high enough level 
to be on that 25% company tax. You should be, don't, if you're a sole trader and Unfortunately, if you're a sole trader and everything is in your name, all your vehicles and everything else, we have to take all of those into account with servicing as well. So probably not a bad idea to form a company and have the business through the company, pay yourself a salary. So would you recommend between you, it's a good conversation to have. So you've got people that are, you know, sole traders, you've got companies, you've got trusts. Mm. People that are self-employed, sole traders, can you just differentiate sole trader, company and trust? Where you see typically that within the finance world and application when people are applying? Generally, people, if they're starting out and their turnover is relatively low, they'll stay as a sole trader because that's the better tax option. They're not recommended to spend the money to establish a company or a trust if there's not a sufficient income coming through. That all comes back down to how much income have you got is what how much loan you're going to um, qualify for. Mm. As your income gets higher as a sole trader, you are on those individual tax brackets and you need to transfer then to a company. That's not going to hurt you, even though the ABN will change and everything. It's not going to hurt you in relation to the banks. They will recognise that it's a change of structure only. The business is ongoing. So you've still got your two years potentially, but you can minimise your tax. And that's where you talk to your accountant again is there's strategies available to minimise tax while not impacting your borrowing capacity necessarily. And and when do you find, Mick, people tend to transition into a trust type setup? The, the trust normally comes off the back of accountant's advice, okay? So, yes, people are, yeah, completely agree with what Ruth said. People are starting as a sole trader, ultimately due to cost and the profit's not great. Company is the next one. And then, then the trust is ultimately the accountant-led and probably more so when the client wants to start buying in investment properties, for an example, or if they're operating out of a mechanic shed and they want to look at buying the actual premises instead of paying rent. You know, the, the accountant will look to structure that generally in a, in a trust in a trust scenario. Going back years ago, there were other taxation benefits with, within a trust. trust. All that's been wound mm. back now. Mm. <laughs> so ultimately, a lot of that stuff that you could do in a trust 10 years ago, you can't do that anymore. So nowadays, I find it's more that there will be a trust and it will just hold an investment property, a residential normal investment property or a commercial premises that the business might be operated from. Because a trust at the end of the day has to distribute its profit and that comes back to the individuals, which again adds on to their personal tax position. And, so, the, and, and, the, and the trap with, as Ruth mentioned, the, the, with, with the distributions is if, if you start distributing too far down the family chain, <laughs> um, you, you actually you lose that income, okay? Mm. And the, the banks won't, you know. So if, again, if you've got, got mum and dad that have the business and they distribute income to, to their daughter who's 21 and she's at university, <laughs> you, you can't actually use that income in your borrowing capacity. Correct, yep. you, you've distributed it. It's yep. gone. <laughs> you, you might have an elderly parent that you're distributing money to from a tax point of view, but from a lending point of view, that money's gone. You've distributed it too far out of out of your mm. out of your family unit. So there's lots of positives from the tax minimization point of view, but it's the type of stuff that when you're doing that, you need to be aware that okay, well potentially this this could impact our ability to buy a home, to buy our investment property, or to delay it. Traditionally, banks will want to look at two years financials, but there are lenders out there will, that will just look at the last 12 months as well. If you've got someone that's so, in the same industry, 
i.e. a tradesperson, which you typ- we typically see over that time, someone's PAYG, chippy or plumber, and they're transitioning going, hold on, I want to transition to doing it myself. People that become a subcontractor, they're deemed as someone that's self-employed. A lot of people probably don't realize that. But someone that may be a trade person transitioning to becoming self-employed, do they then have to wait a year to do a tax return for a bank to look at them? Or oh, two years, as you mentioned? Well, the, the, when they have to do the tax returns, determined by the government, right? <laughs> so, so they've got to do the tax return when they've got to do it. Generally speaking, you, you, you need to have your ABN registered for, for, for at least 18 months, okay? Uh, that'll open the door at a couple of banks. Uh, majority of the banks come two years, they'll want to see the ABN number registered for. There are options out there where it's just one day. <laughs> so you go to the non-bank lenders. There's, yeah. So there's a lot yeah. of options available, and I'm doing a lot of them at the moment, of alt-doc or self-declaration loans. So, so What's that? No tax returns completed. The accountant will sign a letter, in some cases, of confirming the income that you're declaring, or the we'll use BAS six months or twelve months depending on the lender to just to verify how much income you've got. So obviously you'll you'll or to to work out your net profit, there are calculators that we have available to us. You will pay a little bit higher cost for those types of loans. But if you need that money now, we can do that. It's a short term fix. You might pay a little bit more for a year, two years, until you get your to the point where you've got your two years, one year tax return two years ABN because, yes, the best position is to have two years ABN, two years fully lodged tax returns showing good profit, then you'll go to the mainstream and get the best deal possible. But there's lots of other deals. So communicating with your broker who works alongside your accountant or introducing your accountant to your broker in preparation for mm. a finance is critical. Yeah. Is So to work the strategy as well, because they might not, it's not a home loan, it could be an investment loan, as Mick said. There needs to be a strategy involved in that, and the accountant is the first person to set that up, and and then we can work together to go, okay, this is the way we're going to provide it to the bank. Are you happy with that? Yes. Okay, let's go. Plus, I've also come to, in, in the times that we've done home loans, for people that are self-employed, when they've gone and purchased a truck or a car within the financials, to the detriment of their borrowing capacity, had they spoken to us prior, they could have achieved what they want to achieve from a home loan sense or an investment sense. Mm. So I think that for the listeners out there, it's critical to have a broker that knows what they're looking at to speak to the broker prior to doing anything. So Ruth, when you get tax returns, when you analyze certain parts of the tax return, what is it that you look at from a behavior, from an income? What do you look at going, okay, I'm going to preempt this being an issue for a bank or being a positive for a bank? What do you analyse? Um, probably the first thing when you have two years is to look at the trends. Is it an upward trend? Have you had a huge year the second year? And what's created that? And is it ongoing? And then, of course, the bottom line. So your gross profit, your net profit, and then distributions and things. So the first thing is the profit and loss. Next thing is the balance sheet to just see what's in there. Mm-hmm. Where there's debt to yourself, is there, you know, it's, it's quite a... Interesting. Tangled web. Tangled web, yeah. But technically, mainly, most of the banks, if it's just a home loan, you're in regulated lending, It's you can add back interest and depreciation. You can potentially add back 
the odd little thing, but you look at salary, you can add back if they pay themselves extra super over and above, super, over yeah. and above the minimum. Yeah. We can add that back to improve the bottom line. So while ever your taxable income can be at a certain level, we can add back a lot of that income and use it for borrowing purposes. So, Mick, what about you, mate? Um, yeah, very, very similar. I do. I have a personal preference to use a lender that will just look at one year's financials, okay? Because the bank, yeah, on the two years, they, they, they pull it apart, right, Ruth? Mm. And average <laughs> okay. it out. Yeah. Yeah. They pull it apart, they average it out, and then you'll have some some banks that'll only let you have, you know, if you are in that growth period and your income doubles, they'll go, okay, we'll know we'll cap it at 20% and all yeah, this yeah, type yeah, of rubbish. Yeah. So, mm. so I I have a personal preference where, where ideally I just want to look at the most – at the recent, most recent yeah, tax yeah. return because because it does remove, like I said, a lot of that crap that the banks put you through, right? So that's, again, personal preference. There, there's, you know, it, it is fine to sit the two by two beside it, but be prepared that, yeah, you, you're going to get asked more questions by your broker initially and then the bank. The other thing that comes to mind is is, is ATO debt. That <laughs> okay, was my so, next question. <laughs> oh, there you yeah, go, mate. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so ATO debt, again, generally your major banks don't like that. They don't want to see... General Outstanding interest, debt. Oh, general interest charges as well. So, you know, if you see the interest charge for the ATO, bang, you've you've got a potential thing. We need to look into this further. Yeah, or outstanding debt and to the ATO. I know it makes sense to us, but why? Why is it an issue? Oh, well, it, it, I'm, I, I think it just comes to the bank's per- perception. And, and Ruth and I have both worked for major banks over the years too. But, yeah, it, it's the perception from the bank that, if you can't pay your tax on time, <laughs> there's, there's, you're not going to pay your loan you, you, probably. Yeah, and that's yeah, the way they and, view it. Yeah, yeah, and it's a fundamental, you know, ATO uh, comes before behavior before the bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's it's, right. it's behavior yeah. driven. That a, you, you're not doing your books on time. You're not keeping up to date with things, or you've got a cash flow problem. <laughs> okay, yeah. because you know, again, people are it's the ATO. They can wait. Well, no, they can't. No. Yeah, and. Yeah, you know, in a world of you know, the, debt, the, uh, debt with that uh, <laughs> government, we won't go there, Baz, because yeah. that'll that'll be another that'll be another that'll be a different that'll, podcast. That'll be a different podcast. But yeah, look, I, I I know somebody who actually works for the ATO, and and the ATO now they're moving. You know, are they doing the payment plans that they used to? <laughs> okay, so if it gets really severe, the ATO can wind you up. <laughs> like if you're much like the council, the, you don't pay yeah, your rates. You Same thing, your council your taxes. Rates. Yeah, so it, it, so the ultimate position is that the ATO they have the ability to liquidate you and close you down. That's why major banks they they don't like seeing that. But then they're the the, the second tier, the non bank lenders. You can pay it out from your home loan. We've got lenders. Oh, that you, you so can again, consult you're going, you're, yeah, you're going to yeah. those non-bank lenders, yeah. Yeah. slightly higher interest rate, yeah. and provided your credit is clean, as in your score and your credit report, you can still get a reasonable rate, maybe in the sevens or eights. Because a payment plan with the ATO would be about, I don't know, 10, 11, I'd be, be up there. It's the, comparison the to my home loan. The difference is, if, yeah, if your ATO higher. debt is gone, <laughs> you can then apply for a home loan at a better bank. Yeah. Whereas if it's there, most of the main banks won't touch you. They just go, you got an ATO debt? No. Declined. And I think the big thing to remember is that I'm not quite sure if this is 100% sure. Let me look at the stat. But I think it's the average of two years for people that are self-employed, 80% of them fail and comes down to either the growth. They don't know when to implement a good bookkeeper. The best bit of advice I got was from um, 
someone many years ago was to set up two bank accounts, one for your income to go into mm. and the other one for your GST and your tax. Mm. And, and always park some money over there. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, the money that's coming in, not to spend it just because it's there. Mm. So having that discipline is a big thing. So I think in summary with you both, and we've covered some great points, people that are self-employed, it can be a landmine knowing what the banks look at and what can help them. And it's really ringing through to SW Brokerage and chatting to Ruth and Mick, who I know do a fabulous job and can guide people along the way. And work with their accountant is the most important part. If you're self-employed and you've got the time to walk into four or five different banks. Yeah, that's li- right. <laughs> Good luck. To, yeah, yeah. And right, go through it with them. Yeah. Mm. If, if you've got the time to go and do that, you're running one hell of a very successful a business. business. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd put the challenge out there that you don't really have the time to do that. Whereas we know you can talk to us and we know all of the different rules that they're going to put you through and then position you with what we believe you're the where best. Where it's going to work. Yeah, Love where it. it's going to the best possible choice of an outcome. And I know you guys have dealt with people that have got tax returns turning over 80,000 and people turning over 10 million. And it's one thing I do love about you both is that we kind of don't look at anyone that's turning over 10 differently to someone that's turning over 100,000. The amount they of all work involved is it's exactly the same, the same that's right. for yeah, us. That's so just yeah. another norm. Yeah. 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 People that are looking at buying a car, I know that's, you know, finance is our thing, but... People that are self-employed, would you encourage them to look at doing a personal loan or doing it through their business? And how does that affect them when they go to purchase a house or refinance or purchase another property? If a sole trader is looking to purchase a car for the business, because the business is, is a sole trader, the car is going to be in their personal name, albeit the accountant can write off some of the expenses, but that will impact their borrowing because it comes in under their personal name. Whereas if they are a company and they purchase the car in the company, we can exclude it from their personal position when they are looking for a home loan or an investment loan because there's a difference between personal purpose and business purpose unless it's in their personal name and it falls under them personally. Yeah. Mick, yourself? I 100% agree. Yeah, that's what, what Ruth said. I guess if kind of talking common traps and that type of, you know, continue that theme from before, the common trap that I see is that people will change their spending habits because it's tax deductible. <laughs> if you had cash in your pocket and you would only go and spend $30,000 on a car, just because you can purchase it through the company and write it off and claim it as a tax deduction, still purchase the $30,000 car. Mm. <laughs> Don't go and buy the $85,000 mm. car because mm. it's tax deductible and it's through the company. <laughs> um, it's still a liability. It's still a liability. It's an income and expense that can't be profitable to the company that we could then use, <laughs> distribute it out, paid out as profits, retained earnings and all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So that's from general conversations, the sporting type of things that I do is, yeah, oh, yeah well, I just bought the $85,000 car because you know, it's through the company. And I said, yeah, but if you couldn't do that, how much would, would you have spent 85? Oh, no, I would have only spent 25. People kind of use don't and abuse their business, spend, don't, don't they? Don't change yeah. your spending habits yep. just because it's tax deductible. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with that one. Uh, Mick, I know you've got a couple of self-employed people on the go at the moment. 
What do you see as their behaviour? Top couple, I, I think, is when they've, they've got the right disciplines in, in their business and they treat their business as a business with a disciplined business. My grandfather told me many, many years ago, you know, if you're paying tax, you're making money. Like, yeah. So, yeah. so this whole concept of, yeah. Don't want to pay tax. Don't want to pay tax, don't want to pay tax. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Don't borrow money either. Don't, don't go and buy a home. Don't go and create wealth. Don't go and do all that. So, yeah, disciplines and taxes are probably the two as opposed to okay. three. Yeah. Ruth, yourself? Yeah, the one thing I would say is be all over your business. Understand it. Understand the running of the business, not just creating the product or selling the product or whatever it is that your business does. Understand the running of the business at the ground level. What do your accounts look like? What mm. is your expenses? What is your salaries, expenses? If we ask for something, can you provide it? without question, if the bank asks a specific question about your business, can you answer that? The reason why you ask that is because we know what we can achieve for the client yeah. and the outcome, people either purchase more properties and create wealth that way. Right. Mm. But also the banks look at character. There's the five C's. I can never name them all. But Capacity, one of them is collateral, conditions, character, character and something else. Capacity. 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 Character is the big one for self-employees because that is how you are as a manager, as a business owner, not just as a worker Mm. who happens to work for themselves and produces a fairly good income. How do you run the business? Are you really good at it? My probably tips would be someone that's self-employed and witnessing other people that have succeeded is they take time to work on the business as opposed to being in it at the same time. And looking at zero, spending that extra bit of money to going, okay, yeah, the zero does cost you, I don't know what it costs you, call it $60 or $150 Mm. per month, depending on the size of your business. But it's to analyze that per quarter. If you've got a bookkeeper to go shoot me through, analyze it yourself, the conscious awareness of going, hold on, I don't need to spend that. I think it's really important what you mentioned, Mick. You don't have to go and get the $100,000 car. If you're new in the business, you really need the business to be that vehicle to purchase other properties or investment properties to get you that wealth because that's ultimately what we're after, right? Yep. I tend to agree with you both is that people have this mentality where they want to save themselves tax, but you're spot on Mick and Ruth where if you're paying tax means you're making money and you need to speak to people like us in terms of how we show you how to create further mm. wealth. So the other thing I'm just adding on to that is that you have you surround yourself with the experts, your bookkeeper, your mm. accountant, your solicitor, financial your planner. financial planner, your yep. broker. Yeah. We all work together to get yep. you on that journey of wealth creation and growing your business yep. and making it strong and solid and everything else that comes off that. Out of 365 days, you spend one day on yourself. It's not hard, right? Yeah. So thank you very much, Mick uh, and Ruth. We'll move on just quickly to investments, properties. What is the biggest problem when people apply to a bank wanting finance to purchase an investment property? What is the common denominator that you see, Mick, you know, there's issues? Yep. And Ruth, you will then analyze from a from a bank's perspective, how do they analyze it to go, yep, you, you are in a position to afford that investment property. How is it different than applying for a normal home loan to purchase a house? So Mick, I'll start with yourself. When analysing someone to be purchasing an investment property, what do banks look for? Oh, bank, bank, banks will always look for your, for your ability to repay the loan. Yep. I, if you, oh, I don't mind sticking to the theme of the common mistakes. There, there, there's a particular common... That'll resonate with a lot of listeners yeah, too. There's, there's a particular common theme that I see with investors, and it's a highly technical term, Barry. 
where they've Be careful, got mate. <laughs> simple where, man. Where, where they've got the the debt. Yeah. It's ass up. They've got the debt around the wrong way. And to explain that is you go and buy your house, bang, 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 want to reduce the reduce the debt, then okay, now it's time to have an investment property and they'll want to keep their existing home as an investment property and then go and purchase a new home for themselves. Now, if say they've done a really good job and they've got their home loan down to, to, to three hundred thousand dollars for 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 their own home and that becomes their investment property, well, the interest that you'll pay on that is about 18 grand a year, which you can offset against the rent. But if you go and then buy your own home for 800,000, the interest on that is 48 grand a year and you can't claim any of that. (laughs) So your debt is around the wrong way. It's arse up. So you want all of your debt to be sitting on your investment property, not on the house that you're living in. Okay, cool. Question I've got is that I know when people apply for a loan, why do banks only take 80% of the rent? So if you're renting a property out for argument's sake, $100 per week, why do banks only take $80? 80%, I 80 guess, is their yeah. cushion, much like they like to have a yeah. 20% cushion on the equity position as well. It's It covers off some unexpected running costs because while we declare rates, insurance, basic costs, there's other things involved in there as well that you might have to carry. And so it just gives you that little bit of comfort that none of the banks will, will squeeze you to your, to your zero. There's always a buffer. Mm. In what we do, it might feel like you're squeezed, but actually there's quite a buffer at the bank's end to cover off unexpected expenses, costs, increases. Yeah. I know the stats, only 12% of the population have an investment property in Australia. We've just gone through a boom over the last couple of years after COVID where property prices have gone up. People's debts are still the same, but there's such a good opportunity for people to look at purchasing investments there. Big thing for me is I could probably say is that if as an investor, you've got to look at your cash flow. Yeah. Uh, fundamentally, that's what it comes down to. And the type of property that you're looking at buying as well. That's critical. If you're looking at an investment property, what type of equity would you need, Mick? If typically what you see, when's oh. a good to- when is a good time to look at buying an investment property is what I should ask. Oh, well, if, you, if, if you're kind of looking at the investment property on, on a standalone basis, you roughly want to have, look, if, if you've got 10% to contribute towards the purchase price and then enough money to cover the stamp duty, I, I think that's a good time to be having a chat to us about, okay, yep, I'm, can, can I do it now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or do I need to, to improve that position a little bit more? So, yeah, so it can be as- the, But 10% uh, can, cash or equity in a property? Um, yeah, 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 cash, yeah. cash, equity, whatever it is. And yeah. Ruth, the top banks, you would think, that would have an aggressive attitude towards investment? Do you find it's the big banks, the CBAs of the world, NABs, ANZs, or your second tier lenders? Where do you go, I should ask, if someone was looking at buying an investment property? It's from a bank's It's an interesting question because really it comes down to the individual when we do the assessment. All the banks have an appetite for it. It's just where does the individual going to sit? Are they self-employed? So therefore we go to that bank that will take one year's Okay. Of yep. the financial. So it's it's more, it's a much bigger thing than, oh, these banks are really good. So it's just not all, just black and white. It. It's all about when we do our assessment and we do a thorough looking at your goals, what are you trying to achieve? And then we find the best place for it and the best deal. And interest only as opposed to principal and interest. 
Why would it's, someone go P&I over interest only and vice versa? The reason you would go principal and interest is if you traditionally, the maximum term of your loan is for 30 years, okay? So if you do principal and interest right from the start of that loan, your loan repayments will be lower over the 30-year loan term. Okay, as opposed to if you do interest only for the first five years, you've then got to pay the principal back over the remaining 25-year term. Right, yeah. So yes, for the initial five years, your, your repayments will be less, but then for the remaining 25, they're going to be higher. So, so you'd, you'd recommend someone to consider P&I over interest only by the sounds of it? I generally do recommend yep. P&I over interest only, purely and I, I can support that with the figures. Like, these are what your repayments will be for the first five years, but then for the remaining 25 here is what they will be, as opposed to principal and interest right from the start. So there is a differential as far as that's concerned. And the other part, the banks charge a higher interest rate for interest only. It might be 0.2, of a percent. So yes, you save a little bit on your interest rate, but more importantly, it's that cash flow position it's critical. Because, because you've also yeah. got to factor in if you don't have tenants. I've got a client at the moment, the tenants oh, aren't well, paying well, uh, mm. yeah. because That's they're right. moving out. That's yeah. why you have insurance. But you can only That's do right. insurance up to, I think you've got only eight right. weeks or six weeks, yeah. but mm. it's an interesting one. It's going to become more interesting over the next 12 months, yeah. isn't it? The cost of living. That's where Ruth spoke about before, that 20% buffer that the banks build into it. It's also to protect you as the owner of that property, okay? Mm. Because a lot of the time we we yeah you, we we don't think of what could go wrong. Mm. We just think mm. oh, it's going to double right. in value. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what if my tenant doesn't make the repayments for six yep. weeks? Well, that's what that buffer is all about. So again, it's disciplined. If you've got an investment property, it's an investment. You need to monitor it. You need to manage it. <laughs> the, the one, and I, you do it well, and it'll go well. Yeah, I was just going to weigh in on the interest only thing. Is that that if you go interest only, you, it will affect your borrowing capacity as well? Because yes, it. we mm. it reduces it because we have to service you on that twenty five year term or yeah. the remaining P and I term, so that can reduce how much you can borrow. The other thing I would um, say is that if you can, and we've got such a housing shortage, and there's new houses to be built, buy one of them because of the depreciation schedule you get, which is a massive tax savings. We talk to your accountant about that. Yeah, that's a, I could probably use a different segment on the type of property yeah. you buy, right? Buying an investment property, I find it, the, the clients we deal with are sophisticated enough and do have a good income to justify an investment property, but they just do not know where to start. It becomes such a daunting experience for them. What bank's going to do it for me? What type of property do I buy? Who do I need to see? Financial planner, an accountant. And it's kind of like put in that hard basket. Mm. But then if you rewind to 2000, went through COVID, every property went up and people are speaking about properties that have gone up. Now, Mick, you're near the Ipswich. Ipswich over the last 15 years has gone crazy. And people have got, and then there's people that go, I wish I did that, but I didn't know where to start. Where do people start, mate? Where should someone start if they want to investigate? Can they do it? I, I think it- Besides it, speaking to you yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that's a given. Speak to us at SW yeah, Brokerage, for sure. You'd be crazy if you didn't, right? <laughs> for me, when you're sitting at home, you're having a conversation with yourself or with your, your partner, for me, it has to be cash flow, okay? You, you need to, because there's going to be a shortfall. Between the rent that you receive and the expenses that go out, there will be a shortfall in your cash flow each week that you need to fund. So that is, I think, where you need to get the, the first- 
analysis is, okay, yep, can, can we afford $100 a week? Can we afford $200 a week? Can we afford $300 a week to, to throw at this property? That will then hopefully go up in capital value over time. Because okay? you've got to account and for rates, insurance, rates, landlord insurance, insurance yep, water. Yep, all that. Yeah. Well, still the water supply to, of the water. Not, the it's supply. only the water usage yep. that the tenants pay for, not yep. the whole lot. Yeah, right. and, and the cheapest part of it is yes. the, the usage. <laughs> everything yeah. is about getting the, 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 to the property. Pay taxes. In other yeah. states, there, there is land tax and that type mm. of stuff and there's limits. And then it's the unexpected stuff, okay? Yeah, like the hot water service blows up. Well, mm. that's going to cost you two or three grand. You get your tenant mm. moves out, they don't feel like paying rent for a while. <laughs> so it is that cash flow position where you need to be comfortable with how much are we prepared or can we put towards this each week? And then you come and chat to us. If the answer is... Yeah, we've got our... It's too difficult. <laughs> well, more so that, yeah, if, if our budget's really tight, we need to look at other ways that we can maybe help you free up some money to put towards it. That's a good point. If someone has got a home loan, and look, plenty of equity, good cash flow, good incomes is what I should say, is really speaking to us about, hey, we can help you reshape your existing loan to get in a good position to then go, hey, look, let's get you pre-approved, show you the tricks of the trade in terms of what bank does what, and then give you that for a pre-approval last for, th what, three months, and then put you in touch with the right people, or you can go and look yourself for that type of property. Ruth, why is interest rates higher for an investment property as opposed to under-occupied? Well, because the banks see that you have a, a tax benefit, and so you're getting a benefit from it, so they're going to charge you appropriately. Stamp duty is higher. Everything is higher because it's, it's a wealth creation tool, not just a... I'm buying myself a house to live in for the rest of my life. Good point. In summary, if you are looking at buying an investment property, definitely, you know, don't just jump on Google. Look at a good brokerage, SW Brokerage. We've got a lot of experience here, as you can hear. Mick and Ruth would love to hear from you, and you guys could sit with them and guide them through that way. We also have access to buyer's agents to, to yep. source properties and property agents who you know, good independent people who will who could you can talk to about managing the property yep. on your behalf. So there's yep. lots of expertise that we have access we can guide to. you to. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, thirty second elevator spiel, bank v broker. Why would we, why would we come to you, Mick and Ruth? Oh, oh well, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of touched on it before. You, you, yes, you get us and our experience, okay, but more importantly. You can come and talk to us and we've got access to all of the different banks, okay, to find the right home for you. The alternative is doing all the shopping around yourself. With the banks these days, good luck trying to get in to see someone anyway, mm, okay? Mm. Let alone They're all shutting the down branches too. Shutting down. Mm. You know, th there's a reason that, that 75% of loans these days are done via brokers. Yep. There's a reason that the banks are shutting their branches. And and I believe that, yeah, ex you would... I don't walk into a bank and find someone of our experience. No it's chance. Not, not going to happen. No, no. <laughs> and then we, we do have access to, we, we know the different policies. So, yeah, one-stop shop. Ruth? Basically what Mick said, but it, technically, if you, essentially, if you go into a bank, they will give you their best product or the product that they're selling at the time. We'll give you up to five different banks, same product, and, that you can compare. So... You just don't get those comparisons at, the, at a direct bank. They'll only can sell you what they can sell you, not the competition. That's right. And I think it's important to remember is the ongoing relationship, right? So 
on average, people look at their home loan every 3.5 years. It's important to actually align yourself with a good experienced broker that you can call upon and go, hey, look, this is what I'm looking at doing. And it's the ongoing relationship. All of us are heavily involved with SW Brokerage and it's something that we really put a lot of reliance on is that relationship ongoing. Absolutely. Because because your appetite changes. Well, are all these clients who are direct to the bank going to ring their bank every month at the rate moves and try and get the best rate? Whereas we are doing that proactively constantly for our clients to get them the best discounts we can. Mm. And I know over the last probably three or four years, us as a business, we've actually kind of morphed into a little bit of a mini bank. Like we're doing the transaction. It's just not that quick fix, get getting you in, mm, get you going. Mm. It's the ongoing back end at the girls and the back end who are just as important reaching out, talking to you. We've got financial planners, accountants, referral partners that we can move you on to as well. Just last but not least, this is the medical finance. This is an industry I'd love to, for us to get into. Mick, can you just give me a bit of a spiel on, I know you've dealt with high-end stuff, Ruth, <coughs> I know yourself as well. Um, some niches that we as SW Brokerage can offer people within that industry, should they be looking for an alternative? Medical and dental. So yep. I guess, yeah, we talk the traditional GP, doctors and that type of stuff. So yep. we're not really, yes, we can look after the, regis- yeah. the, rest- the registered nurses that work for Queensland Health mm-hmm. or, or the ambulance service and there, there are certain deals that we can get and we have a lot of clients in that. But if we kind of, I guess, go outside of that and that, like I said, GPs running dental practice. A lot of those things that we spoke about earlier with the self-employed people and the tax returns, you can almost throw that all out the window, <laughs> okay? If you can say, oh, I'm a doctor and I'm going to start up my general practice down the road here and I've got a certain amount of cash to put towards it. <laughs> or even if you don't, the traditional lending rules go out the window. So for wow. us, again, it's I've got access to specialist banks and specialist departments within banks that if you just walk into the big four bank in Queen Street in wasting the city, your time. you're wasting your time. You, you're not going to get access to who you need to. So it's having access to lenders. That's their appetite. That is what their businesses are about. Things like if you're a GP, one day GP, you can get a home loan. Banks oh, look well, at you. The, the banks won't even ask for a pay slip if yeah. you're going to be they did a re- relatively recently did a home loan for who's the well, they, they, no they put you to sleep when you go to hospital they, they, yeah can, I can't say that word yeah he was he was moving out of working for working in the hospital to become self-employed but then funnily enough just working in the same hospital so but just consulting that, yeah consult mm-hmm. yeah can um yeah, did his home minimal deposit um, and all based off what his projected financial wow. position would be. So, and don't forget, and um, remember, they get up to 95% LVR with no mortgage min, insurance. Yeah, minimal, minimal deposit. Oh. Mm. The, yeah, and they didn't even look into where the deposit come from. It was just sh- give us the snapshot of the balance of the bank account. Yeah. We're working with the fellow's accountant. What do these look like? <laughs> yep, that'll do the trick. So it's based um, on a lot of so historical stuff. People that are new, GPs, we can help you because the medical finance sounds very niche. You're not going to be able to get it online or walking into a bank. Even no. particularly if you're talking about vets or physios who want to set up their own practice and yeah. premises and things. So yeah. there is avenues for us to f- help finance fit outs on your premises, the equipment that you need. Same with the dentist, you know, the chairs, the special machinery and everything else. There are specialist lenders who will 
absolutely open the door. What do you need? How much do you want, basically? Yeah. Let us know Write what you're check. after. And if you're a medical listener and you're looking at getting into your own property or looking to expand your business, we've certainly got probably maybe, what, half a dozen, Mick, or maybe five lenders that would really specialise, Ruth, in yep. that kind of field. Yeah. Yep. Look, I'd just like to thank you both for turning up today, giving you time. And, uh, you know, I do love you both. And uh, it's great to get your wisdom. Yeah, good chat on the Wilco's Wealth Wisdom. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of listeners out there that would have benefited from that. And please get in touch with SW Brokerage. Look us online, swbrokerage.com. Mick and Ruth are certainly on that web. Give them a bell. We'll go from there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, for listening I really appreciate it you can contact me on barry.wilkinson at swggroup.com.au or if you google statewide wealth group Barry Wilkinson that will come up and it will show you the links on how to get to me it's quite easy jump onto our website if you like in our blog section on statewide wealth group you'll find some wonderful blogs that we've recently put up some tips and tricks and some information from my business partner in relation to the financial planning sector Fire us any questions. There's an area in within our website that you can ask us any questions that you like. And uh, feel free to subscribe to this podcast. If you can rate it, if you could, please, that would be really appreciative. And uh, feel free to send it amongst any of your friends and family. Thanks very much. Yeah.